Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking Tolkien, our last episode ever, dot, 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 in 2015, because you know what? Today is the last day of the year, and it is also the last day for us of Fellowship of the Ring, the book. We will have a special Fellowship of the Ring movie episode. So thank you for joining. I am John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. And it is so early. This might be the earliest we've ever recorded a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll take a quick moment to talk about what happens today in Middle Earth, what happened last week in the book, and as always, our discussion of the text. I think we're going to wrap it up probably with not only our favorites from the reading, but from the year as, you know, this just as a project and the book. So stay tuned. And Katie, you want to get us started with... December 31st and Middle-earth. Yeah, so today in Middle-earth, December 31st, Happy New Year's Eve, one and all. Uh, today in this in our current storyline, the Fellowship are traveling in the wild. So that whole long bit where they were slogging through and, and just... In the wild, <laughs> that's what's happening. <laughs> we gotta go up the mountain. We gotta go. We gotta go down the mountain. We don't know. We gotta go woods. What's woods? No woods. These woods. <laughs> James Woods. <laughs> Those woods. Oh my. All right. Well, that about sums us up. Chase, what happened last week in the text? Oh no. Okay. Uh, they were. You know, floating... Chase. The reason why I ask you to do this is because it's the funniest. I know. <laughs> they were floating down the river. Yep. And they're awesome elf boats, and they were hitting a point where Aragorn was like, "I don't, I don't know this. I don't know this area. I know where we're going, and I know where it ends, but that's about it." And then they started got getting fired at by um, goblins or orcs on the side. Where's it? Orcs. It was orcs on the sideline, and then Legolas saw some black thing in in the sky and shot at it, and it ran away. And everyone thought it was a Belrog, but nope. And uh, then they got into this area that was treacherous and made Sam feel weird. And there were these giant statues from old Numenorean kings. Yep. Uh, also, they saw somebody behind them at a couple of different. Oh points. yes, they right. Were... And 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 Frodo was like, "It's go- it's Gollum. We're not even gonna like. T- nope, it's Gollum. <laughs> There's no one else. Can it be nobody else." That, and that, that is the you did a summary. Yeah, you did a fairly good job there, Chase. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that chapter probably more than this chapter. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, join us in just a moment, and we'll be back with you after the break. Hi, everyone, and thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. As you may or may not know, if you've been with us since the beginning, we started this project on January 3rd, 2015, and we are releasing this episode on December 31st, effectively marking a full year of the podcast. I just wanted to say thank you for everybody who has listened, subscribed, shared, donated. You are wonderful. You've helped this podcast grow. Um, you know, this just started out as three friends kind of goofing off, and... I'm really pleased with what it's becoming, so thank you, everyone, for listening. And we're back. So, Chapter 10, Book 2, Fellowship of the Ring, The Breaking of the Fellowship. Hey, guys, 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 guys. That in itself is a title that tells you things. I finished a third of another Jared Talking book. Yay! (laughs) It still counts, right? Yeah, oh yeah, totally. 
I mean, we're more like 38% through, so it's a little more than a third yeah, if you want to really. Oh, in in well. my copy, I think the last page of this chapter is page 407, something like that, yeah. I mean, I was it's like two towers like shorter than everything else. No, it's some... Return of the King is the shortest. Yeah. Oh, but it's it's everything else is like appendices, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are, The Breaking of the Fellowship. Um Again, the, the the title itself is this. This is the end of this book, and think we're we're kind of at the point we've been told several times over that pretty much uh, at this point on the river things are going to change. Something's going to happen. So uh, here we are. We've come to the lawn of Parthgallen, and Aragorn decides they're going to rest there for the night. And uh, Aragorn kind of has trouble sleeping. Which is not surprising, really, at all. And tells Frodo that he he tells tells Frodo that he feels uneasy and he, he feels some some kind of threat that's growing. And tells him to draw Sting, and so Frodo does draw Sting. And what does he notice? Sting is gleaming. Right. It's, so that, it's but it's not like way, really bright. Yeah. I am I am resisting right now making a joke about the police. Oh. <laughs> Roxanne. <laughs> <laughs> but it's glowing, uh, but it's not like yeah. super bright, which he's like and I feel like Aragorn was like, Oh, okay, so like we, it, we, we get we got we got we got a situation it's but it's like far off. Threat level what the, is somewhat lower. Threat level plaid. Well what the, what the text says is that it was gleaming dimly, which I thought was kind edges. of an interesting Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting contrast to, to like to gleam to gleam dimly. To gleam dimly, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when you Dimly take... sounds like a dwarf name. Like <laughs> Dimly son of Doen. Dimly son of Gimli. It's like when your phone screen goes off, but it's like it's like screen side down, and it's like glowing on the outside. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. There we go. That's I think about one. that because I see that every night when I put it on my bedstand. Yeah, yeah, and somebody texts you or something. Um, so basically, what you know, orcs are are near, but not too near yet. So that's uh, you know, at least. But and then there is also a mention of this. This could just be also. I mean, they're they're. On the other side of the river, getting closer to to Mordor, so could be that threat too. So who knows? Sting, what are you trying to tell us? It's just all evil, <laughs> all evil everywhere. Just kind of a low grade threat of evil. Yeah, just just a low feeling. And then there's this really cool description of the dawn of the next day, and I just really liked some of the words that were used. I want to find that really quick. Uh, you know, I knew I predicted that you would like, <laughs> what? talk about this section. I like words. Words pretty uh, cool. It was well. I just love that first line. The day came like fire and smoke, and you know, then it's talking about like the light that it kind of like things are bathed in like this odd burning thing. You know, the rising sun and flames of murky red, and there's smoke all over. You know, too. I I just liked that. It's cool. I like when there are words. That's pretty often. Yeah. It's fairly often. <laughs> but especially these kind of, I don't know, you just, uh, it so easily creates a picture in your head. I really liked that. Um, yeah. And now we've come to the point where they need to decide which way to go. Either west with Boromir to Gondor or east into, basically straight into the arms of the enemy. 
and Into both the arms of oh we haven't Sauron. we haven't had john okay, singing <laughs> and actually in quite a while so no, that person yeah. who commented on her survey that they hate my singing <laughs> I hope you're happy the the in the it seems like the fellowship are both in a complete agreement and disagreement at the exact same time. Like everybody's like, yeah, we should go to no, nah, we should go to Gondor. No, nah, we should go to Gondor. No, no, no. And this is also so at this point, basically decide to either go west or go east, or it's kind of said break the fellowship. Um, and so there's kind of silence after this because really nobody knows what to say. Uh. And Aragorn basically prompts Frodo. He says, you know, Frodo, you're you're the ring bearer, so you should choose. And, and Frodo has a conniption like, fit. <laughs> oh, I, I got you. You're, you're putting the onus on me. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go think about this, so I will see you guys later. And he ditches them. Um, yeah, he, <laughs> he kind of wanders off. Frodo, yeah, Frodo asks for an hour to, to think. so that Because, you know, th- I mean, this is a heavy decision, right? And Sam kind of watches him leave. And then he notices that kind of everybody is resisting the urge to watch him except for Boromir. Boromir is kind of watching Frodo intently as Frodo walks off towards Amon-Hen. You remember when you were a kid, like that moment where you first realized that people could like look at your eyes and tell what you were looking at? Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, I can't be mischievous anymore. Unless you're wearing sunglasses. Oh, I know. That's the best. <laughs> anyway, I promise not to dilly-dally. So uh, Frodo is off and he's just kind of pondering all that's happened since he left the Shire and you know, seeing Bilbo again and trying to think of like what Gandalf would do in this situation. That's the constant and question. What would Gandalf do? He actually wears a bracelet that says WWGD. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry, guys. So, so then he like hears somebody coming and he's surprised. And at least the, the expectation I got from the text is that he was expecting it to be Gollum. Very much so. Yeah. yeah, I got that vibe as well. Yeah, it's not it's not explicitly stated, but I think we can all comfortably say that that's kind of what Frodo would have expected in the situation. Right. But he turns around and it's not Gollum. It is another uh, slimy, low life creature <laughs> that's obsessed with the ring. It's Boromir and he's no, all no. sweaty and evil looking and ah. Uh. See, I, I'm going to be a Boromir defender here a little bit because <laughs> I was just setting you up, Katie. <laughs> be, be, you know, I and I and I know, and thank you. Uh, you know, again, we're we're seeing this. You know, so Boromir, he 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 turns, he you know, springs up and turns around, and it's Boromir, and instantly he notices that Boromir's face is kind, right? Um, and so Boromir basically is, tells him he's concerned and that, you know, Frodo is a very important person and carrying a very important thing and shouldn't be alone. And would you like to talk? Would you like some help? And so Frodo kind of re- resists a little bit. And he, he says, you know, I, I know what you would tell me, Boromir. I know what your advice would be. And I've already decided against it. It's not a good idea. Um, and, and, and he says, you know, he says something like, you know, I would he says something about I would I would think it wisdom but for the warning in my heart right mm-hmm. so again um there there's something that's telling him don't listen to anything that Boromir has to say it's the it's the bracelet that says what would Gandalf do right not trust this weirdo right 
Uh, well, and, and, and you know, Boromir just kind of explicitly states, I want to help you make up your mind. And Frodo is like, bitch, you're, I don't nah. think you're going to help me choose the decision I have already made, but I've not yet committed to. Yeah. So, um, Frodo, <coughs> also, I really like this quote. Frodo, what's warning him is he's feeling that he's being warned against delay and against the way that seems easier and against refusal of the burden that is laid on me against, well, if it must be said, against trust in the strength and truth of men. So, again, we've talked about this before that, you know, e- even even so such strong of men as Aragorn and Boromir, you know, the, we've seen the strength of men fail. And oh, yeah. And that's, again, why Frodo is the ring bearer. Well, even, even so much to say... Uh... Aragorn has also been shown as being, I wouldn't say weak, but fluctuating in exactly who he is. Not because of the ring, let's just say, but he's stronger than that at least. But a real fluctuation of his emotion um, in a way that I haven't gotten a description from any other being in this book. Uh, and Boromir is, is like the kind of like absolute end of that spectrum in some ways. <laughs> I don't know what I meant by that, but <laughs> I said it. I can't. I can't get the feeling that Boromir feels like that feeling you get when you've had too much coffee, but it's not making you any more less tired, but just yeah. causes your heart rate to go he higher. Seems, he seems jittery. Yeah, yeah. No, he, he really does, though. He seems jittery and so on edge. Right on edge, and f- so Frodo, you know, mentions the ring, and like, again, <laughs> yeah, and and Boromir kind of perks up at that and uh, wants wants to see the ring. He's like curious that we've toiled so hard for this object, yet I've only briefly seen it, you know, several months ago at Elrond. And also that we have, that we're, you know, having so much suffering and uh, over such a small thing, which again is a big kind of thing in this book. Uh, And Frodo kind of resists against it. And it finally comes to, um, you know, Boromir continuing to say, you know, I, I would use the ring for good and if I had this ring and could restore Gondor and then people would follow me and I would be a great and powerful king right um and, and he, he also he also says that like Frodo kind of owes it to Gondor because right. Frodo doesn't realize this but men have been holding off the forces of the enemy for a long time and the Shire has benefited from that right and Boromir also says that you know if anyone has quote unquote claim to the ring it's the men of Numenor, right? That's that's actually a really great bit too, because you know it, 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 the idea of how big this world actually is, and you're not understanding of the suffering other people are going through. It was a really interesting bit. It was one of those. Few, it was one of the moments in this where I was like, Boromir, I was on to something. Like he's doing that thing of like, what you want is wrong, but what you're saying is pretty interesting. Yeah. Like you know. Yeah, and that's the thing. He's. It's it's true that what Boromir would want to use the ring for is to restore his people and restore his city. But it's it's that thing, you know, Frodo constantly kind of reiterates, no, no, everything that the ring does turns to evil. It's It, it doesn't work that way. We have been down this road before, <laughs> man. Yeah. You don't want it. And, and then at this point, Boromir is looking kind of, bad like malicious yeah his hair is no longer he's almost like looking greasy i don't know that he's like made a physical transformation though just as much as he like is 
he's no longer like coming off as kind and gentle and all right. of this. Right, his his face and his whole kind of demeanor has changed. It's almost like and, what I got the vibe off of. Like, yes, he didn't see Gollum, but the way Boromir is described mm-hmm. is more like a metaphorical description for what would have been actually described as what Gollum is yeah. in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it seems like he's like this, and you, you could see the glimpses of Gollum in him. Yeah. And so then he says, just give me the ring. If it helps you, you can tell them that I took it from force. I'm bigger than you. I'm stronger than you. And then he's like, wait, I am bigger and stronger than you. And then he just does try to take the ring by force. Yeah. So he, he, he jumps at Frodo. And what does Frodo do in reaction but put on the ring and kind of, you know, jumps back. And, you know, Boromir has... Frodo is trying to like put this big rock between himself and Boromir and so anyway Frodo puts on the ring and then Boromir kind of goes on this rant basically cursing Frodo and all hobbits and uh, he is you know scrambling around you know trying to grab at air basically and trips and falls just lands flat down on his face and kind of weeps and he's sort of immobile for a minute so you're like did he knock himself out? Uh, and then he he comes back to himself instantly, and he calls out for Frodo, and you know is apologizes, and he n- has come come back to himself and kind of seems to realize what he's just tried to do. So again, we see that this is the doings of the ring. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> so Frodo has just taken off and runs to the top of Amon-Hen, escaping Boromir. And he looks all around and basically he can see war everywhere, right? It's like, it's almost like the, when he puts on the ring, the world, okay, this is what it felt like in my brain when I was reading this, (laughs) is it felt like the world kind of like constricts, like it becomes smaller in a way, and he's like seeing like all this stuff that's been happening or has happening happening all at once and it's really bizarre it's really weird sequence (laughs) yeah they you you get a an odd feel of how frodo experiences the world when he wears the ring um but he also is kind of physically at this lookout where he can see a huge expanse of the world around him and he sees orcs and there's smoke everywhere and um, he sees men and elves fighting and these huge kind of battles and stuff happening all around. Uh, I just like this this moment because it says, you know, it, it, it briefly describes the ruins that he's in. And it says yeah. that Frodo settled in like a kid who had who was wandering in the woods and sat in the throne over the mountain king. Right. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know that many children have actually sat in the throne of the mountain king. <laughs> but... I think many children have pretended that that's the case, and so I liked that imagery. I think you can totally relate to that, like feeling small in a, a kind of expansive world, I guess. I mean, it, small and unimportant. It, it reminds me of one of my favorite stories that I'll just say really quickly that at a cave I like that's local to mm-hmm. here, there was this kid back when tours started starting in about the 50s or something. And a kid got lost in this massive cave, and he was a little blonde boy. And he, instead of trying to look for everybody else, he was told to, if he ever gets lost, to just stay where he's at. And so he did is he climbed on top of this massive formation 
and fell asleep at the very top of it. And when they found him, he looked like he was sleeping on top of a, a, a massive throne in the cave. Huh. And so from now on, that formation's called Blondie's Throne because he's a little blonde boy. And that's where my brain went to is this an image of like this immense, like several story tall, like structure that's got this little kid sleeping in and it. And yeah, a little tiny Frodo curled up in it. So, you know, Frodo looks around and he sees Minas Tirith and, you know, it the kind of the bright splendor of Gondor and then directly across he sees Minas Morgul right and everything is dark and you know um what's the word I don't remember the word my brain it has stopped working uh and he sees the tower the tower yeah. he sees a uh, Barad-dur which is Sauron's fortress and basically loses all hope and then he feels the eye looking for him Tell me if I'm wrong. Does he see Isengard? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, okay, point there. Bit of foreshadowing and the idea of the next section being called The Two Towers <laughs> is that he saw The Two Towers. <laughs> I just want to know. I, I noted that when I was reading Yay. it. And I found that very interesting. <laughs> um, so Frodo hides under his cloak that he's been given, which, remember, we're told can 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 help to conceal the wearer uh, in in a couple of different situations and basically is you know saying you know ne- never I'll never give it to you you'll never find me mm-hmm. but feels as, as as if he's saying I'm coming to you right which is such a weird <laughs> experience I think for him and then he he hears this kind of other voice in his head that tells him hey hey dummy take off the ring um, what would Gandalf do? And yeah, <laughs> right, remembers that he has free will, right, and can choose to take the ring off, and so he does. And now, more than ever, Frodo has made up his mind. The ring needs to be destroyed. I'm going to Mordor alone. No one else. Nobody else. It'll break Sam's heart, but Sam just needs to stay behind. And I got to do this on my own. Because he feels, yeah, you know. What if there are some that I cannot trust, uh, and then those that I can trust, I don't want to risk their lives. Um, so he comes, he he puts the ring back on eventually, and kind of is he's decided he's he's going to go. And now we come back uh, to the river and all the others, and they're all kind of sitting around in a circle and talking, and. The conversation kind of constantly comes back to Frodo in the ring. And, you know, it's sort of unanimous. They all want to help Frodo. Um, you know, Merry and Pippin especially are saying, you know, we, we've been with Frodo the whole way and we, we know this. We know it's dangerous, but we never meant to leave him. And, you know, Legolas and Gimli also are, you know, they... And, and well, Aragorn kind of proposes cutting the party up and having right. Aragorn, Gimli Aragorn and Gimli escort Frodo and then he says and Sam because Sam would not have it any other way right. <laughs> and then he's like Legolas, Merry and Pippin can go with Boromir to Minas Tirith and kind of help direct things there right um, and it, it, it's at this point that they all kind of notice that Boromir is missing and Sam kind of immediately feels that he has gone to Minas Tirith because that's been his plan all along. And he says, basically, you know, I don't blame him. He, you know, he was going to always go. That was his plan. 
And then Sam also kind of says, you know what? I'm pretty sure that Frodo has decided to go to Mordor and wants to go alone. And Aragorn kind of remarks that Sam is the wisest of them all. He says, yep. yeah, you're, you're, you're probably right, Sam. Um, but they decide, they all decide, okay, well, we need to call out for Frodo and find him. And now suddenly Boromir reappears and basically tells them what happened. Uh, that he, he lost tried his mind. to convince Frodo. <laughs> yep. And basically and Frodo put the ring on and disappeared, but yeah. it's very sanitized. Yeah, it's very sanitized, but um but they they pretty much know what happened. Uh so now the rest of the company kind of splits up to find Frodo. And I love, so Aragorn tries to, you know, organize, but it's basically mass chaos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because Merry and Pippin just run off and Sam runs off on his own and Legolas and Gimli run off and Aragorn, you know, is trying to do damage control and he sends Boromir <laughs> after Merry and Pippin. <laughs> and then he goes off after Sam and base Aragorn's like we need to stick together guys statement herding cats comes to mind so Aragorn has decided to accompany Sam but then Sam of course can't keep up with Aragorn because he's tiny and Aragorn is a ranger who can run long distances all over the place and he Aragorn has gone up the hill so Sam stops and is kind of thinking okay let's not be foolish let's think and he realizes Frodo. Has... I think he said, use your le- head, not your legs. Yeah. Use your head, not your legs. Be- because that's going to be his best asset here, right? So he realizes Frodo needs some means to cross the river because he can't jump over it, right? Uh, you know what? I bet he's back at the boats. Legs, not head. I mean, head's not leg. Whatever. Never mind. Keep going. <laughs> I don't know I was going with that one. We know what you meant. So Sam... No, you didn't. <laughs> So Sam races back to the river, and sure enough, he sees one of the boats kind of sliding off the bank of its own accord, right? And basically takes off after it. Like a dum-dum. Like, he just <laughs> runs out, not even saying anything. Dives for the boat, misses it by about a yard, and just, like, splashes into the water. And it's also, no. I mean, he's a hobbit who's afraid of... I, mean, I wouldn't say he's afraid of water, but he's not... Water guy. He he does not be he does not be. He's running out into this. He does this, not enjoy this, being on the river. This no. body of water that he's already said he hated anyway. Right. Like, Sam wants to be with Frodo. Yeah. Like it's just he needs to be by his side, and it, and it's shown right there how his like companionship to be with him. Yeah, you know, Sam has ever since Bag End. Sam has vowed to help and stay with Mister Frodo, and he's not about to stop now. Right? He's going to jump into this boat. Or at least try and fail and splash into the river and then uh, be nearly drowned, as he says. When, yeah. When an exasperated Mr. Frodo reaches in and drags him back to shore. <laughs> and Frodo even calls him a nuisance, right? He says, You are a nuisance, Sam. <laughs> uh, he really scolds him. Yeah. But. But basically, Sam tells him, I know you're going to Mordor. I know you want to go alone, but you're not. Uh, there's, I, I, I'm going with you. And that's the end of the story. And Frodo's like, oh. And then I, I love it. So he says, I'm going with you or else I will poke holes in the boats. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to destroy this elf boat that's right? apparently like unsinkable, but whatever. And so Frodo kind of concedes, but he also feels this great relief, right? Um, 
Well, and it's like the sense that he he was like so determined to make this decision of going off on his own, and it was not the wrong choice, but it was also not the right choice. Yeah. And he definitely doesn't need to go off by himself. See, that's the thing. You well, know, Fro- Frodo Frodo needed to not be like forcing others to go. Yes. yes. That's what I was going to say is that Frodo has made his decision and he, yeah, he doesn't want to force others to go. But the thing is, is that Sam has also made his decision, right? And so Frodo has to let him choose his path too. This is another gut check. Yeah. Is what it is. It is the next gut check after Rivendell of like, only Sam was the one who figured it out and ran after the boats, whereas mm-hmm. everybody else is off running out in the woods doing whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's something to be said about that. Yeah. So, basically, they set off uh, in, in, in their boat and managed to cross the river, which is no small feat for a little hobbit, especially as we're nearing the falls. And basically... Well, and it- Sam little Sam, Sam little Sam is like, hold on, I have everything packed just in case. I have oh, a yeah. feeling I need oh, it. Oh yeah. So we we can't go without provisions. So let's take this. And yes, and then yeah, they cross the river. Then they manage to cross the river, and essentially now they are breaking up the fellowship and are going to continue to Mount Doom on their own. End of book two. <laughs> well, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, book two. <laughs> End of that. <laughs> there we go. So. They do stand over like a mountain and kind of see where they're going and that's about it. And then it yeah, ends. Yeah. yeah. They're like, they, they're looking off to their path that they're going to take. So. It's, you know, it, the what, I, I think that what happens in this chapter is not surprising necessarily. Because um, again, as we've said. We knew that Sam was going to stick by Mr. Frodo, right? No, yeah, totally. I feel like this is the only way that only, things could could have gone. Only way things could have ended up. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> we moving on you, to now. Are we like digesting this? No, I'm just you're you're just you just have this odd look on your face and you're like staring at the screen. <laughs> I'm trying to figure Wait. something out. Okay. <laughs> Um, so what would Gandalf do <laughs> concerning what would Gandalf what do, would Gandalf do? Uh, <laughs> all right so now now to simulate the break between uh, Lord of the Rings and the two towers we are going to wait for three months and 13 days before we pick up again because that is what people had to do no it took released. that long False. <laughs> wow. we, are, we are not going to do that like wait yeah. yeah that's that's why i was staring off into the well, distance we are that's going... what I was figuring out oh okay <laughs> <laughs> what we are going to do though is uh talk about our favorite parts from the text that we read today mine was that image of like frodo being like a child in the mountain king's throne yeah that was a really great image and Again, reiterates how small he is. Uh, something I continuously forget about because I don't regularly interact with hobbits. So <laughs> this is something I forget about at times. Um, my favorite part from this chapter was uh, something that Frodo said to Boromir during that uh, whole kerfluffle. 
and it was he was talking about uh not choosing the easy way yeah right yeah which is something you know frodo knows what he's doing is not the easy, not the easy way frodo knows that this is the most difficult thing anyone has ever done pretty much but he knows that he has to do it I feel like the thought is like, dude, I'm older than you, punk. What are you thinking? I, I know this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to be older than Boromir, right? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. You do, you, do you even know how old Boromir is supposed to be Boromir. during this time? I was thinking he was like 30-something, like late 30s, but he doesn't seem oh, like... No. He doesn't seem I'm like sure we enough. could consult a handy appendix that would tell us the age of Boromir. Oh, yeah. If I had well, well, if I had time, I could look it up and tell you Boromir's exact age at this time. Um, but I'm fairly. They're certain more contemporaries than you would think. Yeah, he, no, okay. I, I think he's older than Frodo. Okay. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I'm going to say my favorite part. I just I like the bit where like Sam goes running off into the water like a dummy, and he really wants to go with Frodo. And it is kind of like him going against all of his fears and phobias at that moment was a great bit. I mean, it almost was like a real. I feel like if anyone gets any like real character growth within this book, it's Sam. Yeah. Over the course of Fellowship of the Ring, just Fellowship of the Ring. It was Sam because Sam got over a lot of stuff. Yeah. To get to this point. Okay. Boromir is 41. 41. 41. Okay. okay. So well, he's definitely old. Like, no, so he's, he's definitely younger. He's younger then. Why did I think he was older? But he's also got more life experience. That's that's what I'm... I guess that's what I'm getting Katie, at. Because everybody is weirdly aged in this book. <laughs> Everybody's all over the place. Like, or Aragorn is like well, a million years okay. old or something. Aragorn is a principality in Spain. I Aragorn, think you mean Aragorn is also Aragorn. My bad. Aragorn is also a a, a different. So to to put things into perspective, thing. Boromir was two to three younger, two to three years younger than we are when Frodo first received the ring. Yeah. Okay. So, um, favorites from the book as a whole, just your, just Sam's oh. character growth. Anything else? Fatty Lumpkin. <laughs> I will never for the life of me ever leave. That's stupid. No. Um, I, I Honestly, it was Moria with uh, where they're in that big chamber and they're seeing how just colossally big it is. Something about that has always stuck with me reading something and Fatty Lumpkin, to be honest. But I didn't know you were going to ask me my favorite part of the book so far. Oh, I'm sorry. Did we do this for the, did we did we not do this for the Hobbit? Yeah, we did. Well, yeah, we did, but I forgot. Um... <laughs> it's a little harder in this so far. Okay, so, how mean... about then? Just your favorite moment from the past year of having done talking Tolkien. No, well, no, I know I could do a favorite part from the book. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, okay, you know what? I will say, uh, Tom Bombadil. Tom Bombadil. I, I, that's just one of my favorite elements of this whole story. Um, just the mystery and the in- intrigue that is there is great. Okay. I also will say, uh, here. So this is more. This is my second. This is like my favorite as a whole of doing this podcast over the whole year. Is uh, that this these books like any other book. 
every time you reread them, you pick up on different things. Different things speak to you in different ways. Uh, you you notice some details maybe that you didn't take note of before. Yeah. So it's been really fun to kind of rediscover uh, bits and pieces of these stories. So my favorite part was I, I like of the book I suppose is the realization I had a couple of weeks ago it, that the characterization is like something that happens slowly um, and just because of like the amount of time that we spend with these characters that we come to understand that something is important. Mm-hmm. I feel like I put it more eloquently a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> um, and my favorite part of doing this as a project is uh, just hanging out with you two. Aww. Because we started this project. We started this project when I lived next to you guys and spoiler alert, I moved halfway through and so now we get together once a week and just chat and you know we record some of it and then we stop recording and continue chatting so it's nice being able to stay in touch with you guys and i'm glad that it's something we do on a weekly basis yay it's definitely been the most like productive and interesting like rewarding experience of like a podcast i've had like i've done a lot of podcasts over the years this has definitely been one of the more rewarding because not only do I guess my favorite thing from doing this as a whole from the year is discovering something. Because you're talking about rediscovering. I'm discovering stuff that was so fundamental to your childhood, Katie. Mm-hmm. And then also discovering that stuff that is like fundamental to stuff that I like in general. Like yeah. I'm seeing like where a lot of people I like who are creators came up with a lot of their ideas from. And seeing where a lot of that stuff came from. Which has been extremely enlightening. And now that I have stuff like the Silmarillion in my brain, <laughs> you know, it's very, it's, it, I'm regarding things very differently now, I have noticed. Hmm. Yay. The further well, I get away from any... the Silmarillion, the more I like it. So, I mean, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> any other uh, things of note from the week? Any recommendations? Or I, I, I definitely do. I definitely do. Because I, I interact with my favorite thing ever of this year, <laughs> this past week. I didn't think that was going to happen. Uh, a couple, right. a couple take, weeks ago, I referenced that one of my favorite things of the week was a video game I was playing called Life is Strange, and I'd only played one episode. I finished it this past week, and it ended up being not only my favorite video game of this year, but definitely my favorite thing media-wise of the year. I have never had such an emotional reaction to a video game in my entire life. Tears streaming down my face, like <laughs> just ugly crying because, and then like thinking about it afterwards. So I highly recommend Life is Strange to anyone who doesn't even like video games. If you can figure a way of playing it, totally do that because it is like. I was referencing that it's about abuse and harassment. I didn't realize how like deep into that stuff it was going to go. Like that is a game that is about how for the most part, nobody listens to women when they're saying that they're being harmed. And that game is about that. And it takes it on and makes you like aware of that in ways that you never thought possible. So I highly recommend life is strange. And also if you want to see a, Friendship become a romance in a really elegant and heartfelt way. That's definitely that. All right, cool. Katie. Any any suggestions? Um. Don't say Terminator Genesis. <laughs> no, because I watched that movie last <laughs> night. It was so dumb. Um. Uh, 
Oh, gosh, I don't know. Well, I, I don't necessarily have any recommendations from the week, um, but I kind of have a favorite thing, and it's it's a weird favorite thing to have. Uh, so the, the past couple of days, we've been having torrential downpours of rain, um, and, I mean, it's it's causing some issues and damage and flooding and stuff, but I also kind of really like when there's torrential rain because it feels like the world is being remade. I don't know, that's my... Odd, like weird, some Noah's Ark thing, romanticism of <laughs> of catastrophic weather events. But I don't know. I kind of like it. Like I was driving over here this morning, and uh, there was just water cascading off of uh, the the front lawn of the university, and it looked really cool. Even if it's destructive, it looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a natural process for the yeah. most part, if not maybe exacerbated by human activities. Yeah. And our reshaping of the land definitely does affect the way that the like runoff flows. Yeah. Anyway, I'm getting preachy here. It was 70 degrees on Christmas Day. Yay. <laughs> yeah. In New York City, too. It was way too hot. It was like. Wow. And it was it was a slightly rainy. So it was like a muggy Christmas. But so two things. On Christmas Day, I spent it with friends and for some reason, we decided to watch my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> so I spent two hours on Christmas drinking wine and watching my big fat Greek wedding. And it was so much fun. That's a day well spent. I adore that movie. <laughs> like that, that's a, that, that my family's Christmas is also, we have, we watched that movie. So, <laughs> um, you know what I love about that movie is it's not really a romance because she gets engaged in like the first third of the movie. It's, but, it's yeah. just a comedy about her family. <laughs> Um, and the nice thing is, uh, two of the three people I was watching it with are the first generation children of immigrants, none of them Greek, but they were just, they were really relating to the kind of the immigrant storyline in the film. So my, my second thing is I bought myself with my Christmas bonus, a book I've been wanting for a while called the food lab. And the author has the best name ever. His name is Jay Kinji Lopez Alt. Damn. <laughs> That's a cool name. Uh, you would particularly like this this book, Chase. Uh, basically, he applies the methods of like research chemistry to making the most delicious food possible. Oh, that's cool. Huh. I, I would like that. So, Fun times. like this this cookbook is literally like a thousand pages long. It's I mean, it's probably like eight hundred and fifty. But I, I sat down and just started reading the section on breakfast, and he talks about like how you should salt your eggs and when. Like, get this: you should salt your eggs fifteen minutes before you scramble them. Because it helps break down the proteins, which you would think would be a bad thing, but it actually results in fluffier, softer eggs that do not weep any liquid. I've heard of that before. Yep. He also taught me how to poach an egg perfectly, which is a skill that I had always been trying to master. As it turns out, what you do is you crack the egg into a mesh sieve and you let the... Because, you know, like, mostly the whites are kind of thick, but there's that little runny bit of the white. And when you put the egg into the bowl like the runny bit of the white like makes all these tendrils and it looks awful yeah so if you crack them into the sieve the runny part goes through the sieve and then you just lower the sieve into the water and kind of tilt your egg out and it poaches perfectly nice i mean like the science of how the blades used in pasta extruders changed the way that the um the sauce like sticks to the pot like it, it gets very uh very specific in its detail and it's just i'm i'm very excited to cook a lot of things from it that's 
really cool. Like, I really do want to read that. But I was about to say the best way of poaching an egg is is lowering the egg slowly into a spicy tomato sauce you have made and then mm-hmm. covering that thing with goat cheese, you know? I get hungry every time uh, we do this podcast. The funny thing is I made shakshuka for dinner last night, so. <gasps> shakshuka is so good. Yum. I made this crazy awesome lasagna where the recipe was like, hey, you should use like a pound of Italian sausage and like three-fourths of a pound of ground beef. I'm like, nope, all Italian sausage. In fact, two pounds of Italian sausage are going to this thing. <laughs> it was the best. Goodbye, arteries. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that that's about it for today. So and there we have it. And happy New Year's Eve, the day that we are releasing this podcast end of the beginning so i want to say th- yeah once again a special thank you to everybody who's listened to us this year and you know hopefully 2016 will be a year of growth and um good more. fortune for all of us and more books <laughs> thank you especially to our podcast supporters right Avan, they- my, my micah jacob verma thank you for that email yes thank you for telling us how to pronounce your name uh benjamin john macy and oh i'm sorry i'm forgetting the last person and now i feel like a really really bad host did you say mike what did you say mike mike williams okay there we go thank you for being a better person than i am katie (laughs) i write their names down so that i don't forget (laughs) all right well i'm john i'm katie I'm Chase. One last thing. We'll be watching the next episode. We'll be watching the Fellowship of the Marine movie. That's right. The theatrical cut. So if you want to uh, watch along with us, watch the theatrical cut of the Fellowship of the Ring, and we will be back next week to discuss our thoughts. Later. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com and you can send us an email to the professor at TalkingTolkien.com. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you're an iTunes subscriber and you like what you hear, please be sure to give us a rating and review. We also have a Patreon account where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help us grow our podcast and help with expenses such as microphones and server space. Every little bit is appreciated.